Institute for Faith and Freedom at Grove City College presents Liberty Mail with the Student Fellows of Faith and Freedom. Hello and welcome to Liberty Mail. My name is Grace Riley. And I'm Katie Kenline. And we're happy to have you here. We're in the underground studio at Grove City College for the Institute for Faith and Freedom. And today we're going to be talking about Issue 1 in Ohio, also known as the right to reproductive freedom with protections for health and safety. This is a proposed amendment that will show up on the ballot in November. And it's one that has some problems. So we're going to be breaking down some of those. Katie actually was on the ground in Ohio over our fall break this Mm -hmm. past week. So she has some insights from there. But we're going to be breaking down what that looks like, what the legislation looks like, and also what the laws currently are in Ohio and why this applies nationally, even if you're not in Ohio. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So the first thing to know about Ohio um, is that right now abortion is legal there. Um, They have um, restrictions on abortion after 21 weeks and six days, which is what they've decided is liability, um, viability. Um, But the interesting thing is that they had passed a heartbeat bill. So that's just around six weeks. Um, Their governor, Mike DeWine, is a big champion for pro-life legislation. Their legislature um, is very, very conservative, Republican control um, in both um, houses of the legislature. And um, they have some wonderful, you know, Senator J.D. Vance, he um, won last um, election, and that was a big deal to have him in the United States Senate. But so they have um, currently their heartbeat bill is not in effect because it's being challenged in courts. Um, And so now we see another attempt to challenge there. It's clear there's a consensus for pro-life laws in their state. Um, but we have outside groups starting to come in and they have found outside groups like the ACLU and Planned Parenthood, their action group, have found that the best way to influence um, the law in Ohio is to go through a constitutional amendment um, because they can't go through the legislature. The legislature breakdown, it's very fascinating. They almost have two-thirds majority Republicans in the House and Senate for the state. Um, they only have seven Democrats in their state Senate, and they have um, they have a two-thirds majority in the House. So this is, this is the chance the ACU saw was let's put something um, on the ballot that's a state constitutional amendment because unlike states um, like Pennsylvania and California and pretty much every other state, Um, across our country, it's very, very easy to amend the Ohio state constitution. They have like over 150 amendments to the state constitution because you just need a simple majority. You just have to collect um, a certain amount of signatures. It's just over half a million. Um, There's, you can get them from all of these super liberal counties. You don't have to have signatures from every county. Um, You just put it on the ballot. And if it is approved by a 50.1 simple majority, um, it's on. It's in the Constitution. So it's interesting, even states like California, to amend their state constitution, they require two-thirds of the legislature, and then the general public has to vote on it. Um, so ACLU jumped on this chance that it's very easy to amend the Ohio state constitution, and now we see this amendment that you'll kind of outline that people will be voting on in Nove- on November 7th in Ohio. Yeah. And also the interesting thing to note about this. So here at the Institute for Faith and Freedom, we held our conference this past year 
on abortion and on the post-Roe America. So what we're talking about right now is one of the results of the Mm -hmm. Dobbs decision, how the states now have the ability to determine these laws more. It's gone more to the states. So that's something, again, that was a good thing, but we still need to be very vigilant as that fight obviously is not over for the pro-life side because in every different state now, there's the back and forth on abortion laws and on what they should be. So in Mm -hmm. Ohio, that's a really clear example of why people who are pro-life need to be vigilant and how people people who are pro-choice are looking at the easiest way to kind of bring about their legislation. And in Ohio, it is different than other states, which is interesting. Well, and that's the thing that's really unfortunate is that this this is supposed to go back to the states. But Mm -hmm. we see a state that has a pro-life governor, a pro-life legislature, all elected by the people of the state. And we know, you know, that Mm -hmm. they like they're a majority pro-life state than the people that they've elected. But the ACLU and outside groups come in and say, you know, it's actually, it's not really up to the state now, which is really unfortunate. It's outside groups trying to, we see that in the wording. Um, they're trying mm-hmm. to trick people. There's a lot of lies. There's a lot of ads running right now that have a lot of lies in them. People are mm-hmm. made to think that this is something completely different than it is. Um, they're, they're made to think that Republicans are trying to completely ban all abortion. And in fact, this amendment is from a pro-abortion outside group that's trying to sneak something into their state constitution. No, it's true. And so we're going to go through a bit of what this amendment actually is and what it actually says. So back over the summer when I was interning at the American Spectator, I actually did a story on this at the time of it gathering petition signatures to then be able to be on the ballot. And it's really interesting because when I was first looking at it, I had seen some commentators speak out against it. But when I first read this amendment and what the actual language in it was, I didn't, it wasn't that obvious to me at first what the problems were with it. Mm -hmm. I I kind of read it, and this is coming obviously from someone, an average person without a legal background. So Mm -hmm. reading it, it didn't seem too bad. But then upon further research and looking into it more, I then could see what the problems were. And the main source of the problems in this is the very intentionally chosen broad language Mm -hmm. that then opens the door to other things. So Basically, what the bill does, it's written in very broad language, which we'll go over a bit, that opens up um, the possibilities of way less restrictions on abortions that would kind of get rid of the pro-life laws in place. And then also it will stifle parents' rights because it also gets rid of parental notification laws or would have the potential to, at least with the broad language, get to get rid of parental notification laws, consent laws, and other things like that. So just to start with some of the text in the amendment, mm-hmm. it says that every individual has the right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to decisions on contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage care, and abortion. Now, that doesn't sound on it on its face. It doesn't sound that bad, but once you look into the details of it, the problem is the broad language. So that mm-hmm. would mean maybe all nine months of abortion. Um, it well, would mean any age, minors even, because it doesn't specify yeah. that. There's a lot of loopholes here that, again, were intentionally put in by these groups um, to understand the ramifications it could have. And the broad variety of possibilities that it would then open up to. Yeah. And from the start, something that's 
um, fascinating and shows the clear agenda they have is it's every individual has the right um, to carry out one's own. Um, there's no the word woman does not mm-hmm. appear in this amendment whatsoever, and we know that the only um, sex that can become pregnant is woman. So all of these contraception, fertility treatment, continuing pregnancy, miscarriage, care, and abortion only applicable to a woman and won't say woman. There is no information about your age or anything. Um, it starts to also become really scary. Um, part B of this amendment says the state shall not directly or indirectly, which is incredibly vague, um, burden, penalize, prohibit, interfere with, or discriminate against either an individual's voluntary exercise of this right or a person or entity that assists an individual in exercising this right. So some people have said, does this basically write into the Constitution um, Planned Parenthood? Because it's saying an, an entity that assists an individual like cannot be even directly or indirectly interfered with. Um, it That can become incredibly, incredibly dangerous because there's mm-hmm. no information about age in here. If you have a 13-year-old girl who's being trafficked and there's a man that takes her into Planned Parenthood, they cannot, the state cannot directly or indirectly penalize, prohibit, interfere with, discriminate against. They can't investigate mm-hmm. the situation. It becomes incredibly, incredibly dangerous. Um, and it's very, it can be outside groups influencing children. It can be a coach taking a student to have an abortion without parents ever knowing. It can mm-hmm. be, or just like making other important medical decisions um, without a parent knowing. It's not even, you know, it can be, it can still be scary even if it's not, because people will say, oh, the abortion's going to happen very few times. But all these things shouldn't be, mm-hmm. um, the state is not um, what's to be in control of the of any individual here, or including the, the minor. Of course. And those those are just in the beginning of this text. It's yeah. not very long. But the general gist, again, um, is the fact that it's leaving loopholes where minors are going to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, and it's creating that. It's also, again, expanding abortion to be basically legal no matter what, whenever, based on this text, which, again, would take off other laws that are in the books because it would then be in the constitution of the state. So really, it's a big deal, and we'll see how the vote goes on it. But um, even back when it was able to be on the ballot, it required, at the time that I had been reporting on it in back in July, August, it had required five around 500,000 signatures, and it had mm-hmm. surpassed that. Yeah. Um, and Katie was mentioning, too, how it was far beyond that, not even just the 500,000. So yeah, the the interesting thing that happened this summer um, is that, like I said, it's incredibly easy to amend the Ohio state constitution. You just need a simple majority. Um, and conservatives in the state actually got put on a special ballot in August. Um, in during their primary, they had an another version of issue one, um, where because it was proposed by the conservatives, they were are urging people to vote yes. Now the conservatives in the state urging people to vote no on this, obviously because from a left group. Um, but this this um, proposed amendment in August would have raised the bar to make it so that any state constitutional amendment needs 60% of mm-hmm. public support. Um, and that that failed. But it will be very interesting to see 
how close, um, you know, from my experience on the ground there for this fall break, where we're knocking on a lot of doors and with, I was there with, um, the Susan B. Anthony pro-life America, their pack that they have for this election there. That's a group of, it's, um, all the pro-life groups in Ohio together, um, in an action committee, um, and knocking on doors. And, you know, we did just over that break, like 25,000 doors with all these college students. It was really great. But hearing from people, um, the, the wording is incredibly, um, confusing to people. There are even Republicans who don't know how they're supposed to vote or don't know how to vote. Um, because, and so unfortunately, and polling there in the state is showing that it's probably going to pass, um, by like, the polling says 58% um, with a 4% margin. And so it will be very interesting to see um, if it's really close to 60 and how if that election would have gone differently this summer where they would have raised the bar to 60%, mm-hmm. how maybe it wouldn't have passed. But we'll see. I um, We'll see what happens in November. But a lot of people, are there are a lot of yard signs everywhere. A lot of people know about this. There's ads everywhere. But again, it's the confusing messaging of what we often see with issues, referendums, uh, ballot initiatives that are on the ballot, they're worded in a certain way or another way. Um, it will be interesting to see how it plays out on November 7th. It will be. And it is a Trojan horse. It's a bill that is then bringing in and ushering in a lot of other you know, potential to either outlaw laws on abortion that are already there and, par- and on parental notification and just other things like that. So the broad language is really a big problem in this bill. And I want to read a quote from Penny Nance. So she's the CEO of Concerned Women for America. And they had released a press release when this first came out. This issue mm-hmm. has been on national news. I'm sure even you've heard about it. But she kind of explained it Interestingly, she said the ACLU is attempting to trick voters by touting this as an abortion rights amendment. And I'll just pause there in the quote and point out again that the titles of these bills are always intentionally written. And and that's across the board, Mm -hmm. both sides of politics. They're intentionally written so that it's misleading um, in whatever way. So back to the title of this bill, it's the right to reproductive freedom with protections for health and safety. So that title, again, is written in that specific way on purpose. So, mm-hmm. so again, back to the quote. Um, so, touting this as an abortion rights amendment when the details indicate it is a power grab for our children. The radical repercussions of this bill will go much further than can be imagined in allowing state the state not the parents, to raise children, which gives an eerily familiar ring to the philosophies of Karl Marx, who advocated the destruction, dissolution, and abolition of the family and called for children to be educated by the state and not by their parents. Um, So, again, it's something that is also going into parental rights, and this is one example, and I'm sure all of you listening can think of plenty of other examples, Mm -hmm. as we've seen you know, similar issues bring up problems like this. For example, there are a lot of states now that are allowing, and and I think it's through at least 3 million students go to schools across the country where they're allowed to change their gender and have that be affirmed by their teachers without parental consent or notification. Mm -hmm. So in schools, they're allowed to transition kids and work towards that without notifying parents. So there's all sorts of things going on across the country in tandem with this, um, all walking hand in hand. So it is 
a much deeper thing that should be considered. Mm -hmm. But this also is not the only proposed legislation that's like this. There was legislation in Michigan, such as Proposal 3, which was passed on last year's November ballot there. So for people who, in whatever state you live in, this is something that could happen in your state and something to be vigilant of. Because, again, now that this issue is brought back to the states, that means that it's going to be an issue in the states mm-hmm. that's prevalent. And it's really important to use your voice and understand that your voice matters in any advocacy or work that you do or door knocking or just talking to your community about issues that are important to you, especially this one matters, especially since it's a much more localized issue now. Yeah, absolutely. It's very Um, It's very important that we know we're informed about the laws in our states, that we know what's on the books, that we know what's coming down, what there's the potential to happen. Um, Because, again, it's like once the ACLU decided to come into Ohio and put this Mm -hmm. on the ballot, there's not much um, they can do um, except, honestly, like we can just pray that people would understand and would have clarity. Um, Also, just like for all the organizations that are out there trying to make sure people actually know what this amendment is, because, um, you know, I'd think of all the people who will go to the polls and look at this and, and you can, you're honestly, there's a lot of confusion. There's, there's yard signs everywhere that will say one thing and, you know, um, protect, like, don't criminalize abortion is what one of the ones, you know, there's all Mm -hmm. kinds of, there's a lot of the advertisements that you see, um, it's, it's always fascinating to watch the advertisements that come out right before the election, and it almost feels like too much overwhelming information. No one knows, like, how do I actually feel about this? How do I know what to vote? Um, so as we are thinking about this, the abortion debate across the country and what laws are on the books and um, what has been pushed back to the states, um, last year in, in January, right at around the 50th anniversary of Roe, I wrote this piece for a group on our campus, a magazine, um, and I, Young Women for America also published it. So if you look up um, online, um, praying Psalm 10 against abortion, you'll see it posted on Concerned Women's um, website. And we'll link both of these in the description of the podcast. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can find these at the link below. Yes. Um, And so I wrote this piece just about um, praying Psalm 10 um, against abortion because sometimes um, it very much feels like the moment that we're in right now. Um, so I'm going to, just as we close here, I love to read just like the beginning of the psalm and then the end. That's a good reminder. Um, but verses one through four, um, why, O oh God, do you stand so far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. Sometimes in moments like this, and as um, there, we look at states that have, you know, things that are happening in California and things that, you know, this is just an attack on Ohio, um, but we see all across the country Um we can pray that as the wicked are hotly pursuing the poor, you know, we think about like the, the women and, and the child and the, the poor um, women that are lied to and told absolutely false things um, that this is how we can feel sometimes like, Oh my goodness, everything is um, there's, but we're boasting about like such horrible things. Um, But, what I'll read as a reminder is the end of that psalm, um, verses 16 through 18. 
Say the Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Um, Very amazing reminder and something to cling on to and remind ourselves that God has so much power that he's in control. Um, that he will incline his ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. Like it's, it feels very, very applicable to this. Um, and we can just keep praying that the lies and this like spirit of confusion that hangs over this election and other um, elections and just issues right now in our country, there's so much. Yeah. And um, as you're reading yeah. this, I can't help but think this just applies so much, I think, to about how we feel in general about yeah politics, things going on in the world. We've been talking about Israel the past mm-hmm. two episodes, yep. and it can feel like, especially the this past episode, if you haven't watched it, um, go check it out. It was about basically asking the question of why are there so many people that are protesting um, in support of Hamas and in support of Palestine mm-hmm. and in adamant opposition to Israel? Is this because that's the stance they want to take or are they not informed about what's happened? We were just kind of going back and forth, navigating that and looking at the news. But it's the same kind of feeling where it feels yeah. like, why are so many people just boasting in these things? Why yeah. Why is it? Why does it all feel like it's caving in? So this is such a great reminder considering that and really any of the issues, any anything that you turn on the news and see, yeah. this is a great reminder. Yeah, and it's just in the midst of confusion and what looks like chaos and everything falling down. Um, we just need we need more spiritual discernment. We need more understanding. Um, and I think just like for the situation in Israel too, we continue to pray and just um, and for every situation that seems to be happening in the United States too. Just that we would have like abundant and overflowing peace, just like knowing that in whatever outcome, you know, we, um, we definitely, we pray for all these situations fervently. And, but no matter what, we know that God's in control. Um, and we'd like to thank you for joining us today um, and encourage you to continue to pray um, and continue to stay engaged and have conversations with um, your loved ones about Um, what's important in our world right now. Um, And remember that God's in control. We're excited to bring you another episode next week on Thursday. Um, And please remember to like and subscribe on our YouTube channel. You can um, follow the podcast on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And we're grateful that you joined us today. Thanks for joining us. For more information on the Institute for Faith and Freedom, visit faithandfreedom.com.